Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way, our Southridge member podcast designed to give everyone a little taste of the inside scoop of the life of our church. Uh, we've been kind of rotating through some different kinds of conversations uh, in this last ministry season, having some conversations about the vision and future of our church, uh, some conversations that profile leaders, some conversations that provide people's personal journey and story that we can celebrate and enter into, and then hearing from some next-gen voices. Uh, today, I want to do a bit of a different twist on the leadership profile with someone that our church is somewhat familiar with, but is uh, technically an outsider right now, uh, our uh, Ontario MB Conference Executive Director, Ed Wilms. Ed, say hi to everybody. Hey, hi there. Good to, good to see you, or uh, hear you. <laughs> The, uh, this is Ed's first podcast. He's pretty pumped to be here, so we're going to have some fun today. Um, first things first, Ed, give everyone uh, just a little bit of generic background about yourself and your background and your family life and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I'd love to. And uh, would want to just start by saying a big thanks for the opportunity to connect with you as well as the Southridge family. Um, so I was thinking about how do I share my story, and I'll do it really, really quick. Uh, born in Winnipeg which is a prairie guy, which this time of year, it's always nice to be not in Winnipeg. I grew up in the West Coast, and I just share that because I have a bit of a Canadian flavor uh, in my own life. And when I was in high school, I met my high school sweetheart, who I went on to marry, Karen. And uh, it has now been nearly, uh, well, it's over 37 years, which is crazy. I don't know where the time goes. Uh, She and I actually went back, I guess we're... Suckers for punishment. We went went back to Winnipeg and lived there another six years, did university, college, Karen did nurses training, and then we went to the East Coast, and we were part of some church planting in uh, Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, which was a cool experience. And back in 95, we migrated to Southern Ontario and had the opportunity to get involved in ministry. And uh, in those years, right around coming here, and actually just a little bit before that, we had three daughters born to us, Kirsten, our oldest, who's now married to Eric. They live out in British Columbia and have two amazing sons, our grandsons, Toby and Eli. Got a shout out to those guys. And uh, Renee, who is uh, working, serving in Winnipeg with the out-of-town program. And actually just this uh, afternoon, jumped on a plane to Guatemala. And Mm. she'll be down there for a couple weeks getting the out-of-town program going with a bunch of... uh, university students. And then Brianna is uh, with us again this year. She's in her final year, Brock. So that's a little bit of my bio. So you're a coast-to-coast guy, now with next-gen coast-to-coast kids. That's right. And that's not as easy or as fun uh, when you have grandkids. Yeah, I bet. And also have some of our family that still lives out on the uh, West Coast. Right, right. Mm -hmm. for those listening uh, who might not know Ed very well, um, you need to know that Ed has some history with Southridge. So I do uh, talk a little bit about the story of your sort of church journey from the time you moved back to Southern Ontario, because there were a few mm-hmm. twists and turns that had a little Southridge stint for a time. Yeah. So what brought us to Southern Ontario actually was an opportunity to do co-pastoring with my dad which I did for five years, which was a pretty remarkable experience. We were at the Scott Street Mennonite Brethren Church at the time. 
And after five years, uh, that segued into an actual church plant, and uh, Gateway Christian Fellowship was started and formed in the year 2000. That was an amazing experience, and for 10 years we grew, I think we flourished. We were on the corner of Lake and Lakeshore with a ministry center. Yeah. Some, some people actually remember the Lens, which was a, a youth drop-in center. Uh, we had services out of the Eden High School Chapel. Uh, really cool experience, and somewhere in the year 2009, you guys here at Southridge, and I'll say at that point it was you guys, uh, put on sort of a vision cast about going multi-site. And one of my uh, board members, a guy by the name of Rob Gertz, had the audacity to sit in the back of one of those vision cast nights and came back to our board and said, what would it look like if Gateway became a location of Southridge uh, Community Church? And uh, we wrestled with that. We were going through a variety of different things at the time in terms of getting larger space and whatever. And just really over a period of months, uh, felt called by God to actually engage that conversation. And it happened. And we, in that era, right around 2010, became, I guess, the second location. Welland had just been started. And we started a location in Governor Simcoe High School. And that went for, uh, well, the location went for about two years, and um, I was on staff then. So I got catapulted yep, into the this North End. So we're talking, uh, ladies story. and gentlemen, to a, a former location pastor here <laughs> That's right. of our North End location, which some of you have no idea what our North End location was, but it was actually a, a partnership and ultimately an adoption of Gateway Christian Fellowship, uh, of whom many of the members of Gateway are still members That's of right. our community today, probably dispersed a little bit between our St. Catharines and, and our Vineland locations primarily. So I uh, know you served in that capacity and even beyond the North End location, we're, we're part of our connection department. Mm-hmm. It's where our location pastors mm-hmm. still live. So in our connection lounge of our uh, Glenridge location, that's where your office was for some time right. uh, working in that, in that department. But then some other things shifted and you ended up in the role that you're in today. How did that happen? Yeah. So during those uh, years as location leader and going much better, further back, actually almost right from when I came to Ontario, I got quite involved in a variety of our conference activities across the province. It was sort of an extra thing in terms of what I was doing, but because I've also had this church planting passion and heart, there were opportunities in Ontario for investing in that sort of thing. And so I continued on with that, and um, when I segued into uh, the, the North End and being a part of the church here, that continued, it continued to grow, and I would have to say that Right around that time, um, our conference was going through, I would say, a bit of a dark season. And a couple of us, I could mention different people, kind of were thinking, dreaming, praying together about what that could look like, and really decided to kind of lean in in a new and fresh kind of way. And out of that, there's all kinds of details I won't go into, but uh, there was sort of a reorganization of the whole family here in Ontario. A new board was put in place, and out of that, 2012... Uh, an actual new position, they entitled executive director, which I've never totally figured out what that means, uh, was put into place. And um, I really began to feel a tug and a call uh, in my own heart, uh, in a pretty deep kind of way, to throw my name into the hat and to be a part of that discerning process. And out of that, they called me. And uh, for better or for worse, uh, I have been doing that now for the last seven and a half uh, years or so. Yeah, which I remember back you know, when you were part of Southridge, um, 
you know, really seemed at the time like an extension of not only Southridge, but an extension of your role and calling. Uh, were you still, if my memory serves me correctly, you were chairing the board of the church planting arm of the conference, mm-hmm. called it the Board of Church Extension, and uh, so a huge player in the conference. Like you said, it's a bit of a side gig, <laughs> and uh, I, I think the ED role was the first time that we've ever had a staff person uh, in Ontario. Is that correct? There have been a couple part-time staff positions. Right. Actually, conference we had ministers. a conference minister right. position for a couple of years. Right. And prior to that, we had a couple different iterations of sort of retired former pastors that came in either part-time or even in a volunteer role. Right, like chaplains. Kind of, yeah. yeah, tried to help in whatever way they could. And this was the first real attempt to do something in a mo- bit more of official kind of right. way. Right, that was mm-hmm. the shift where the conference minister was kind of the pastor to pastors mm-hmm. in Ontario sort of role, whereas the executive director was a I'm going to provide leadership for the direction and future of this denomination in our province. So that's right. Uh, I think that that sort of whetted your appetite and, and uh, like you said, uh, got your attention and, yeah. and the rest is history. Um, these days, you're part of, just to finish the loop on where'd this guy go, um, you're now part of, again, another church plant, mm-hmm. uh, one that we were almost involved in, but uh, ended up not working out from a Southridge perspective. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so... Um, back, I guess it's almost two years ago, maybe not quite, uh, we had conversations with a church uh, in the north end of St. Catharines called Fairview Mennonite Brethren Church, and uh, processing some of their challenges at the time, and determined that uh, one idea would be to actually close the church and do a relaunch, an actual replant. And so I had the yeah, I know you were dialoguing, Southridge was dialoguing about being a part of some of that story for different reasons that didn't materialize. And so the conference stepped in uh, and had the, I had the privilege of kind of navigating some of that with that community. And it's been a remarkable journey, I have to say. Mm-hmm. So we're a year and a bit in. And since Karen and I live in the North End, it just kind of seemed logical, at least for this season, to try to give some extra effort and energy to Mike and Terry Sherbino, the new pastor couple there. And yeah, it's uh, quite a remarkable story what God has been doing to rebuild and restore that community. Yeah. Interesting from the Southridge perspective, because, uh, you know, you've had the purview even in those two experiences of some conversations that we find ourselves in as a leadership with other churches and especially area churches that lead actually to an adoption Mm-hmm. Uh, which we've done on multiple occasions. We did that with Vineland Mennonite Brethren as well, with our Vineland location, same right. thing. Uh, but there have been a number, people probably don't realize, a number that we've had kind of behind the scenes that have not turned into uh, a Southridge adoption. Obviously, the Fairview conversation being the most obvious of those. Mm-hmm. But you know, without sort of betraying confidences, there have been a number of others where mm-hmm. you know, if people think that we just kind of graze around and look to grab whatever church we can adopt... Uh, these conversations come to us, and some of them, it seems like God moves in that direction, and some of them, if not most of them, he doesn't. And so we just kind of take it or leave it as it seems like God sees fit, and uh, so it's been neat to watch Fairview, now North End, uh, become what it's becoming outside of us and beyond us. So that's cool, too. Um, do you want to say anything about what your role is like? Or should we just dive into what this looks like as far as what the conference is? Well, I could say just really quickly, um, I probably had no idea about the scope, the busyness, the stress that goes with this kind of a role. Uh, I mean, I've been pastoral roles for many, many different years, different size church contexts, etc., and there's all kinds of stuff that goes with that. 
And then there's a whole nother layer of, yeah, just weightiness that you carry in the role as executive director, um, because you have the privilege as well as the challenge to walk with sort of the behind the scenes stories of what's often really going on in many different stories. You carry a lot of information that obviously is confidential. Um, regularly when I talk with my mom, who's out in British Columbia, um, her big question for me always is, Ed, are you too busy? Are you staying healthy? Are you slowing down? And I always have to try to wiggle my way out of that one because it is often a very, very full kind Mm -hmm. of role. But uh, I would say the beauty in it has been to see what God has been doing in these last number of years. And with a lot of confidence, I'm just really optimistic about what he's moving us into even moving forward. So Mm -hmm. it's been exciting, challenging. Good. Well, let's dive into some of that because uh, I'm sure for a lot of us uh, in our context, we're not terribly familiar with what the MB conference, either in Canada or, or particularly in Ontario, uh, even involves. So, like at its most basic level, you know, what is the conference? What does it include? I know there's some churches and some ministries and things. Give us kind of the high level description of this thing. Sure, sure. So. Given that I know uh, many folks in Southridge, and I know that many probably don't have a very good handle on who or what this thing is, uh, I was just thinking about it and I thought, well, a thumbnail history lesson would be the best, which I I won't do uh, in any length. But those of you, most of you would have a little bit of a sense of church history and that obviously there's the New Testament church. But then in about the 16th century, 1500s, early 1500s, there's this guy by the name of Martin Luther. And there's what's called the Reformation, a huge turn around time in the history of the church. And in the mix of all that stuff are a bunch of other radical priests who are saying, Martin, you're not going far enough. One of those characters was a guy by the name of Menno Simons. And that's what started what was called the Counter-Reformation and ultimately became known as the Anabaptists. Anabaptists because they were rebaptizers. They were encouraging people who had all been baptized as infants on confession of their faith to be rebaptized as followers of Jesus. So that's the stream out of which we come. And then more pointedly, uh, through a season during those years of all kinds of persecution, there was martyrdoms, killings, etc. A group of people somewhat fled and somewhat were invited to Prussia under a Russian czar who invited them to come. Um, They settled there, and there was a group of what then became known as Mennonites living in what now we know as Ukraine. Well, in 1860, that group had become somewhat flat in terms of, I think, their spiritual vitality, and there was this renewal movement, which we call now the Mennonite Brethren Church. And so it's out of that group that has spawned this movement, which, interestingly, a church like Southridge has its historical roots to. Um, So today, in a place like Ontario, we have just over 30 churches. Across the country, there's about 250, population of about 40,000 members. And I was, I don't know this all by heart, so I had to do a little bit of research, but we actually have member churches and congregations in about 19 different countries globally, with another 20 countries that want to buy in in the recent years. Uh, spawning about 450,000 people around the world Mm. that claim to be Mennonite brethren. So it's that family. It's really out of kind of what I would call a renewal movement that a church like uh, Southridge finds its roots in. Yeah, and and from the perspective of our roots, the other piece that is obvious, but I'll I'll say it anyways, is 
you know, there's this spiritual renewal movement in the mid-1800s, but generations later really translated into a, a few key communities in Ontario of Mennonite brethren, immigrants. That's right. Right. It's it's these immigrant communities, and Niagara would have been one of them, kind of a hotbed, mm-hmm. KW, I don't know, Leamington, some others, uh, where this really started to form in Ontario and create a bit of an association of these local communities of immigrants right. who were identifying as Mennonite brethren. And so out of that comes the conference. Now, we've never talked about this, but is, is there a reason why the MB conference refers to itself as the as a conference as opposed to a denomination? I know they kind of mean the same thing, but... I think that kind of flips back and forth. Okay. Uh, I think conference is trying to be a sense a little bit more of family, partner, networky kind of language. Denominations yeah. sometimes feels a little bit more hierarchical, top-down-ish. Okay. Uh, I think that may be some of it, although it does pop up all yeah. the time as well. And these days, just real time as far as the purview of your role, you're the executive yep. director of the Ontario Mennonite Brethren Conference... So that includes, you know, how many churches, and there's other ministries that are kind of associated with this as well. Describe that. Yeah, so we are, like I said, about 30. And the reason I say about is because it keeps changing because we're having these mergers and realignments and stuff like that. And we have some (laughs) church plants going on in the moment. And uh, interestingly, we have a couple churches that want to join in with us uh, at this year's February convention. So it's kind of a fluid, but it's around 30 churches. Uh, That's from, if you think of Leamington to Ottawa, sort of from the west to the east, Uh, If you think of Niagara Falls up into about uh, Perry Sound, that piece, that kind of an interesting star area, uh, actually is about one-third of the population of Canada. And it's Mm. in that mix that we are as these group of churches. Pretty diverse, uh, some really small ones. Southridge would at the moment be the largest. Uh, We have several other larger churches as well. But um, So those are the churches. Beyond that, we have some ministry initiatives that are quite fascinating. In the last, really in the last two, three years, God is opening up a whole new door uh, with First Nations ministry. And that's in the Perry Sound, going all the way up now. A guy by the name of Derek Parento, who's given leadership, has moved to Sudbury. We're on Manitoulin Island. Uh, have no idea yet even where God's going to take us in that. That's a very fascinating new opportunity. We have uh, Ethiopian, Indonesian churches in Toronto. Uh, We have Indo-Canadian that are really reaching Sikh and Hindu folks, uh, and quite an interesting uh, experience going on with reaching Muslims um, down in east end of Toronto. So those are some of the ministry focus or foci. And then um, there have been also things that together in Ontario as churches, we have felt the urge over many years to build and to develop. And so that would be sort of what we call our agencies. So there's Tabor and Pleasant, which are senior home complexes. Radiant Care. Radiant Care. That's right. That's the official, you're right, (laughs) the new term. Um, Pleasant, or sorry, Bethesda. Uh, special focus on supporting individuals with special needs. Of course, Eden High School was spawned as a uh, focus of the MB Church in Ontario. And then, of course, Camp Crossroads has been a big piece. So those are some of the ongoing. And then we partner with our global agency uh, called Multiply. We partner with a thing called Mennonite Central Committee, which is a relief agency around the world. Uh, MDS, which is kind of interesting, a Me- Me- Mennonite disaster, Mennonite service, disaster service that yeah. helps yeah. in all kinds of ways in North America. So it's a fascinating bunch of opportunities. So in our context, and we'll shift gears a little bit, because in our context, you know, tracking the history, 
we've ended up in this denomination or in this conference kind of because we were or because we were Mm -hmm. sort of born into it. You, You mentioned that some people are choosing to opt into it or to join into it. I guess I'd ask sort of two questions. Why, why would a church choose to be part of a conference or part of a denomination? Or maybe more specifically, we could skip to relevant to us. Um, what would it be that's unique about our conference that someone would join into or, or feel is significant to be a part hmm. of? Those are good, good questions. And I know there's this ongoing debate uh, out in Christendom at times. You know, what is even the value of having a denomination? Why do we even participate? Uh, and my simple, I'm a pretty big pragmatist on some of this. I, I just feel that we really have a sense that we need to do things together. We are, in fact, better together. So that's kind of a very simple answer to that. Uh, but in terms of why would somebody join, um, Sometimes churches find themselves in situations where either the connections that they have aren't as life-giving as they would hope, uh, or they're not as missionally focused as they would hope, or in some cases even there's theological drift that they're not comfortable with. That can happen in any of our contexts. And so there sometimes is a tug, and we're seeing that in a couple stories right now, where groups of churches are saying, actually, we like what we see God doing in this particular family. Could we be a part of it? Mm-hmm. And so we've had fascinating conversations around what does that look like and helping them. Uh, I would say, from my perspective, like, why do we exist as an Ontario conference? Um, one of the primary things, and we, we use the term, we exist to glorify God by multiplying disciples of Jesus Christ through our member churches. So it's very much about making disciples, followers of Jesus, but it's through the local church. We don't specifically do that. We try to empower, encourage, and we use three other taglines. We, we talk about facilitating collaboration. So we're the we're the part that can help bring our groups of churches together. The convener, the, the broker. The convener, that's right. The networker, yeah. We provide accountability. That's always a tricky one and an interesting one. What does that always look yeah. like? And that often ties in with theological connectedness uh, and where people are at and how they're growing and changing. And then we're about encouraging, this has been a heart of mine, that we encourage blessing. It doesn't just happen, but we have to continue to spawn that, encourage that amongst ourselves. And so... Yeah, I think in a time where there's so much flux in our culture, so much change that's going on, uh, there are ways in which when we rally together, when we work more together as a group of individuals and a group of churches, we in fact can be better together and we can be about Christ's mission far more effectively when we're in solidarity together. I'm going to let people into uh, a little bit of the kind of inner, inner conversation that you and I often have. Uh, the purpose of this podcast is to let people sit around the campfire, as we say. So sure. we'll uh, we'll turn up the heat a little bit. Um, obviously, we've talked both when you were before you were a part of Southridge, while you were a part of Southridge, and now that you're the ED of the, the conference about you know what what it looks like to be part of a denomination, and even even culturally, even theologically. You know, the, you talked about the kind of ethnic heritage that defined us originally, the Menno Simons, the leader that this kind of organized around. Often denominations, including ours, have confessions of faith and sort of theological distinctives. And, you know, that's become perplexing to leaders like me, and I'm sure even to leaders like you, at times when you see a, a, a Galatians 3, Say there should be there there should be no you know kind of racial ethnic segmented identity. We should only be identified as one in Christ, or a First Corinthians three that says we shouldn't be defined by the human leaders that we follow. We should be 
one in Christ. Or Romans 14 and 15 talks about not being defined by theological distinctives, but rallying around as one voice of unity to Christ, never mind Christ's own prayer in John 17 for oneness, period, in the body of Christ, oneness among all his, all his believers. And so it's always been perplexing for us to be super amped up about defining ourselves in a niche way in the body of Christ, mm-hmm. and yet at the same time, knowing that this is the family that we're a part of, we've tried to be engaged and certainly uh, leaving or or dividing from your existing family isn't the pro-unity thing to do. So can you, can you talk about that a little bit as far as how we've sort of navigated that in seeing the the value in being part of a specific kind of church family versus appreciating the oneness of the whole body of Christ? I know that's a loaded question and we've talked about this for hours, but just give us your Coles notes reaction to that only out of the transparency that this is the kind of stuff that Ed and I often talk about. Yeah, this would be the one that you and I have gone toe-to-toe to multiple times over the years. And when I was on staff, I remember I discovered, just for insider information for people to know, that when you uh, don't always agree with Jeff and you write a bunch of emails that kind of give a different expression, you very quickly hear about it. And so we we had some interesting conversations years back. The email server notifies <laughs> you that you've... <laughs> So that that's been fun, and we've uh, I think both probably benefited and learned a lot through that. Uh, my simple answer to it is absolutely, it's all about the unity of the church and unity in Christ. That's the heart of John seventeen, Jesus's prayer for the church. Practically, any church needs to fit somewheres. Like I know that you can get to be really large and strong and robust and have pretty much everything one needs as a very large church, and you see that. But even in those situations, very quickly it migrates to something, some kind of a network that begins to happen. I, I think back to—I remember in the days when uh, this group of churches called the Vineyard started— And they were really adamant at the front end, we're not going to be a denomination, we're not going to do this and that and whatever, we're just going to be the body of Christ, we're going to bless on, etc., which they did, and that was fantastic. But the irony of it is sooner or later, whether it was because of theological clarity, what is exactly do we believe on certain points, or was... Was how do we exactly credential? How do we get marriage licenses for our pastors or some of these practical kinds of things? All of a sudden, they realized actually, we need to be somehow connected. And so, there's just a practical side that I think every church actually has to wrestle with once you start. Who are you affiliated with? And so, and I've had to, I've had to, to concede, I'll say, uh, I've had to concede that point more, I would say, from the learning. Uh, in my own life as a local church leader. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would live out this ideal in my mind of the family of God and the body of Christ being one, there being no division, right? In the sense of a, of a local church that's for everybody. But the truth is a local church isn't for everybody. A local church has a culture, it has a vision, it has a distinctive, it has a whatever, it has a uniqueness that tracks more and is more spiritually conducive to grow and leverage certain kinds of people for the kingdom Mm -hmm. than others. That's why I heard one pastor say, that's why there's like Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors of church in a town for 31 different flavors of people. And, uh, you know, just facing, I, I would say at a personal level, facing the limitations of who Southridge can really effectively serve and that there's an actually an us 
has made me appreciate that at a macro level. There's also kind of an us that families and, and even local churches become part of. And, you know, obviously we didn't really choose this one. We kind of were born into it. And yet as it tracks, uh, we can continue to make a future of it, of it together. And mm-hmm. so I've appreciated that over the years more. Um, can you, can you give us a couple comments, uh, just about how you see, cause I know this is your life, how you see the, the future, not just of our conference, but the, the future of our relationship as a church and the conference growing. Yeah. So historically, uh, Southridge has actually, uh, in spite of even our ongoing debates and conversations and stuff like that, Southridge has been really involved in this group of churches, particularly, and I, I just kind of smiled uh, as I was reflecting on this uh, a little bit in preparation for this, because about 20 years ago, I believe, maybe a little bit earlier than that, I was in a bit of a church conflict situation, and who showed up at our door? None other than Michael Krauss, yeah. <laughs> you know, on behalf of our provincial Board of Faith, and, Board of Faith and, Life. <laughs> and Life, and he was coming in to help bring about some reconciliation mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And you were on—I was on leadership team. council back then, <laughs> right? Like you guys were so involved. Um, and you also, Southridge, one of the powerful strengths that you've brought over many years have been some key leaders on some of those agencies. For example, whether it was executive directors in some of those agencies or board chairs, etc. Yeah, board members, I know that's you know, been huge. Yeah, Radiant that's been Care huge. And Tabor Camp and, and all of that yeah. stuff, right? So there's been, but I would say I don't know what it is about 20, 18, 17 years back, kind of as the conference. Well, I would put it this way: as Southridge was exponentially beginning to grow, and as the conference was going into a bit of a challenging season, I think there were some decisions in the Southridge world to say you know what, best efforts for us would be, let's pour our energy into the local context. And I think God has really blessed that. We've seen that. Meanwhile, various people could continue to serve, etc. I think now we find ourselves, as the conference has also become much healthier, and I think more vibrant, and I think more on focus and on mission, I think now is also an opportunity where we can actually really benefit from each other in new kinds of ways, uh, even more intentionally, rather than things just kind of happening. And so that's where I would see us at the moment. Yeah, that you're feeling like there's a future of working better together uh, as uh, Mm -hmm. two groups. I know even right now we've got two plus now uh, our new hire, Mandy Casper. Uh, We've got three members on your Ontario Conference uh, board. Uh, And, you know, a lot of conversations about how to... You know, not only kind of develop the Church of Christ ultimately uh, better together, but even to serve the other churches uh, and people across Ontario in the MB Conference specifically, and to work together in that regard, which I guess I'll close with this sort of final move or final question, knowing that uh, just last week we had a town hall meeting that you and I were a part of, uh, kind of reporting back to our church on the last six months of mm-hmm. more intensive conversation that we've had uh, as a conference and as a local church involving our Love Beyond Belief journey to try to foster a greater degree of LGBTQ uh, inclusion. Uh, You and I are not going to repeat that meeting uh, today (laughs) in this conversation, but uh, just even specifically, Ed, as it relates to the future opportunity that you see for us to work together better, uh, just describe some things that you're feeling about how you see that moving forward. Mm -hmm. Well, if nothing else, this 
process has caused many more conversations amongst us as a leadership in Ontario, as well as leadership here at Southridge, than anything else we've done for many, many years. So there's something really interesting and cool about that that God is doing there. Uh, on, a, on a very personal level, I would have to say that it has been, for me personally, uh, just one of the more difficult, challenging seasons of my journey. Mm -hmm. This particular issue, for whatever reason, um, it's it's so radioactive, and people respond in such incredibly different ways. As soon as you touch on some of the, you know, where does this take us? What does it look like? How do we love? How do we care? How do we uh, assimilate, walk together? All of those kinds of things. And I know when this sort of um, broke back in June of 19, 2019, I was just taken off on a sabbatical and had the privilege, actually, at that time, uh, with my wife to go to Spain, and we walked uh, the Camino uh, de Santiago. And I got to say that, like, for the first couple weeks, there was like this shadow that went with me because I was feeling just this incredible weight of how do we navigate this? How do we navigate this together? How does a church like Southridge navigate this? And I guess that just shows a little bit of some of the, the weightiness that even as a conference we feel in trying to do some of these things together. And so... I find myself at this point hopeful. I think there are a lot of things we will continually be needing to learn. I think it takes a huge amount of humility, honesty, um, real intentional tracking, uh, dialogue, trust building to navigate some of these conversations. One of the things that for me has been really interesting has just been to see how difficult it is to get people that come from different theological perspectives to really talk together. And, and so one of my hopes would be that we could find ways to do that more, uh, because obviously this issue is not going away. Yeah. I'm very aware of other churches in Ontario that are also at a point of, what do we do? What's the next step? How do we move this thing forward? And, and so it's a very real uh, issue that I'm really hoping, praying God could really give us grace in as we move together on. Yeah, and I would feel like at, at this point, and this isn't the bottom line on that journey by any stretch of the imagination, but at this point, the like you said, the, the, the sense of more intensive relating, even in the last six months, it feels like has us in a place where now together, uh, we're, we're working together to help integrate and include now other churches in the hyper challenge of navigating this both in each of their local context and together now provincially, if not beyond that nationally, uh, as a conference, knowing that this conversation isn't going away for anybody, certainly not going away for Southridge. It's not going away for you. Uh, and it's not going away for the other churches, uh, in Ontario as well, but it feels like we've turned a corner where now we're kind of shoulder to the shoulder trying to help and serve and include other churches and other church leaders in that, which uh, I think is part of the vision and adventure of how we're kind mm -hmm. of moving forward together uh, in a way that's better together than on our own. So yeah. I know that we could talk a lot. Usually our lunches uh, last you know, two, three <laughs> hours. We got 30 minutes, so we got to cut it short. But uh, I appreciate you sitting down with us and just sharing a bit of your heart yeah. with uh, our members and gang. Uh, if you're interested in following up with Ed directly and knowing more about the conference or more about how you could get involved, your email is? ewillems at onmb.org. 
Fantastic. Yeah. Thanks for being here, Ed. And uh, thanks to all of you for joining us again uh, as we continue in this adventure of finding our way together. Take care, everyone. Thank you.